Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in. Happy Halloween on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Real quick, I wanted to mention something I saw on Kansas City Reddit this morning because it goes to a topic that we got into maybe a month ago about whether you would be willing to administer Narcan or Naloxone if you were to see someone that was having trouble with a drug overdose. And I was the first one to say, I, boy, I feel like I need a little bit of instruction. And everybody said there's stuff on YouTube, but I would need to have a little more confidence about that before I would do it. North Kansas City Hospital, uh, and they put this on Reddit this morning, is offering two free classes where they teach you about it and they teach you how to do it. And I signed up for one, the first of these two. Uh, but they said... Learn how to identify an overdose, administer Narcan, the opioid overdose antidote, and save a life. Um, and it's free. It's an hour. Um, there were a couple more details there if you were to sign up. But I, I signed up immediately. When I signed up this morning, there were 79 spots still available for the date that I picked. I, I love this because as soon as I saw that this morning that you had signed up for that, my first thought was, they must have been listening. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> yeah. We didn't know there was such a thing uh, because what we've heard from people who have administered Narcan is that it's very self-explanatory. It's very, uh, you know, it's easy for somebody who's never done it before to kind of, you know, get that. But I totally understand why, you know, if, if you are an, an analytical type person, and I know that you are, that, that you <laughs> want that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you want that, you, you don't just want somebody to say, oh, it's easy. You'll be fine. You want to know, okay, let me try it once. Let me see what it's like. Let me touch it. Let me feel it. Let me have the experience. And then I'll feel much better about it if I'm ever called upon to do so. So I think it's great that they're doing that. I don't want to be in a position and then hesitate. Yes. I don't want to be in a position where I could do it and have any hesitation well, whatsoever. Well said. Definitely. So, um, so yeah, they've got a couple of dates coming up that you can check how do you do uh, it how do you find out or so up? i saw it on kansas city i don't know if there's an easy way to get to this link but if you just go to kansas city reddit uh this was posted yesterday the headline on this is free classes on saving a life from an opioid overdose at north kansas city hospital and nkch and then there's a link there and the link gets you to the hospital's website nkch.org forward slash class forward slash save dash a dash life dash from dash and dash overdose and that was difficult <laughs> they could have shortened that just go to classes and events and you'll see it listed under there and then it's got the dates and the times it's no cost it's at their hospital we're working to get somebody on to talk a little bit more about it i assume the demonstration part of how to do this takes five minutes 
I think the information in the other 55 minutes will be really interesting. Oh, without doubt. Yeah, the fact that they're going to make an hour out of it, I think, is, you know, that's something that even though uh, I, I, I really didn't have that same sort of hesitation. Yeah. Now that you say that, now I'm kind of interested in going. I may <laughs> sign up for that. You should. I'm going to the first date. The first of the two, I'm going to the first one. Very so, cool. and if I can send the link to anybody that's curious, I just was, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, I like that they're doing it. For, for the people that have just a moment of pause there. So, okay, uh, moving on here uh, to the story out of Air Canada. Huh. It, it just is um, embarrassing for this wheelchair bound guy to had to have done what he did to get off this plane. I, uh, it, the word lawsuit is not mentioned <laughs> in this article. Mm -hmm. However, there was a compensation offered for what happened here that yeah. has been declined. Um, here's what went on. You had a couple who were flying uh, Air Canada, as Jamie mentioned. They were going from uh, uh, British Columbia to Las Vegas. There's a man and his wife. He has cerebral palsy, and it's, it's severe enough that he can't walk. He is 100% confined to a wheelchair. That's not always the case, by the way. I have a lot of friends who have CP and uh, and they, they get around just fine, but he can't. His is severe enough that he is 100% bound to the wheelchair and has an electronic wheelchair for that purpose. But you can't take one of those on an airplane. You can, but it has to go into cargo, and then they use a regular wheelchair usually to wheel you onto the plane, get you into your seat, and then they have somebody who comes and wheels you off the plane when you get to your destination. That's where things fell apart. They were told to get off the plane. He said, and and by the way, let me interrupt myself here and say they had done their due diligence beforehand. They found out all the arrangements that they had to make at both airports as to what they had to do, what was required. They filled out all the paperwork. They got everything from their perspective. They got everything squared away long before they left. They hit the ground in Las Vegas, and they're told by a flight attendant, yeah, uh, we're on a quick turnaround here. We don't have time to get you off the plane. We don't have time to bring a wheelchair in here. So you're just going to have to get off. By himself. Yeah. Like, just figure it out. I, I mean, and he said, I can't walk. I, I, I can't. Right. There, it's not an option. I can't walk. They said that he, between him and his wife, he had to drag himself off the plane, which, by the way, did damage to him. He heard him. I think he heard his legs and she heard her back or vice versa. Uh, maybe, yeah, that was it, that he hurt his back and she hurt her legs. But either way, they, they damaged themselves. This is an older couple. Uh, not too. I mean, he's 49. Mm -hmm. um, but still, he can't walk. And I mean, if my wife had to drag me off an airplane, <laughs> first of all, good luck. And second of all, yeah, she would uh, probably do some damage to herself. How do you look at somebody who is wheelchair bound and say, oh, well, uh, you're right. This is prime for a lawsuit, especially when you look at the way some of this is worded. Uh, an Air Canada flight crew, including the pilot, co-pilot, two flight attendants and eight cleaning staff watched but did not intervene. 
In a statement, Air Canada said, we use the services of a third-party wheelchair assistance specialist in Las Vegas. Uh Following our investigation into how this serious lapse occurred, we'll be evaluating our service partners in Las Vegas. Yeah, I bet you will. Yeah, let me tell you how how much juries love it when you blame somebody else. (laughs) Right. Because if this ends up in front of one, I'm not sure I would say, well, it wasn't us. It was the third-party wheelchair vendor we use. (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, No, if that's you, I don't care care if you use a third-party wheelchair vendor. You have one of your flight attendants or one of your gate staff go out and get one and bring it back and and do everything you can for this gentleman to get him off that plane safely. This is just so crazy. And they said, well, it was a lapse in service. It was a little more than that. Um, and, and they said, I mean, the couple said, when the flight attendant first told them, well, yeah, you're just gonna get have to get off the plane by yourself because we don't we don't have time to get a wheelchair here. We need to you know get everybody off this plane and get it back in the air. So sorry, they thought she was joking, and it wasn't until she came by a second time and was like, "Hey, you guys need to get off the plane," that they realized she was serious. Yeah, once they reached the front of the plane, he was able to access his motorized wheelchair. Uh, They asked to speak to the airport manager, who apologized profusely. I'll bet. They said the ordeal left him with significant pain for several days. Um, My only experience with a wheelchair is airlines take that pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, When we went to Hawaii, uh, my mom has some breathing trouble, and we were going to be going through some really major airports. So we talked about it ahead of time, and he said, why don't we... Why don't we arrange to have you a wheelchair at at these airports just to get through things faster? And I did everything you're supposed to do ahead of time. I put it on the, when I booked the flight, I called to double check. You check with the gate agent when you get there. And in two of our stops, the wheelchair was not there, including here in Kansas City. And man, they call, I complained. They called me back within 24 hours. This was United. And it, it was of great concern to them because you're dealing with accessibility issues. I mean, it's, it's a big deal to them. And they said the same thing. We're going to call whoever it is that we use at those airports. It's not going to ha- They were offering us credits on the, on the airline because that's a big deal. Yeah, that's the one thing they did. Air Canada offered a $2,000 flight voucher by the airline, but uh, he said compensation would, quote, not fix the problem of how the airline failed its disabled passengers. He said, I just wanted to make a difference for somebody else so that they don't have to experience it again. And if you've had trouble with this, um, 913-586-7798, the most trouble I've had is just not having the wheelchair there waiting for you. Yeah. That's pain in the neck enough. Oh, sure. And and that would be, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know that that would be unforgivable. I mean, things happen, but at right. least, I mean, if the airline does everything they can to make that right in the moment, rather than just looking at you and saying, okay, well, I hope your fingernails are long because uh, you're going to have to use them to drag yourself off of this plane. I mean, there are times when you read what someone has done or said to another human being and say, at what point did you have your brain removed? Really, When mm-hmm. did that happen? Because I can't, I mean, Forget what the venue is. I can't imagine anybody ever saying to another human being who is wheelchair-bound, sorry, you're going to have to figure something else out. Uh, Yeah, I sit here going, how can you not even, this would be embarrassing also, but can you not offer to get a couple of big guys 
to yeah. pick him up and and carry well, him off the plane. Well, that, yeah, that was another. Somebody on the text line just brought that up, and I, we didn't get to that part of the story yet. Uh, texter said, "How could anyone stand by watching and not step in?" This is so wrong on so many counts. Add the zeros. This shows a moral decline of customer service in this country. Yeah, I don't disagree with a word you just said there. And they did make mention of the fact that when his wife was trying to haul him off of the plane, again, injuring both of them, that uh, some of the other people that were there behind them, other passengers, were either looking at them with pity and not doing anything or averting their eyes, doing the whole, oh, gee, look at you, Floor. Um, and, and not stepping in and helping. And I wondered kind of the same thing now, not to, not to necessarily defend them, but I know that the uh, part of what goes on inside people's heads and the whole, in the whole, I'm not going to get involved thing is what if I try to carry him off the plane and I hurt him or yourself? Oh yeah. Sure. I'd be less concerned about that, but yeah, I mean, if, if, if I do damage to him, because I don't know how to carry somebody who has CP, right? And I'm a, a little person. I'm five. You know, I'm I'm pretty petite, and so I would wonder. I, I don't feel like I could carry him. Yeah, it's no. an awkward position, though. Do I then go and pitch a fit on his behalf? That's maybe yeah. what I'm more likely to do. Is is use my mouth and go pitch a fit on his behalf and say, "You, what are you going to do about this?" What I can say, I would like to think I would do, and that I've never been in that situation. And until you are, you you can never say for sure. But I like to think that what I would have done is gone to his wife and said, "Is there any way I can help? Is yeah. there anything I can do? If if you want me to, you know, to to grab him under the shoulders while you make sure his feet don't run into anything, fine. You just tell me." And if there's nothing I can do, that's fine. But I want to make myself available to you because this is this is insane. Dehumanizing is the word that his wife used, yes. and that's the best word that I have for it also. Uh, we can get to a quick call before we take a break. Let's go to Jim in Topeka. Hi, Jim. Yes. I made a desperate attempt to get away from the construction deal and started in repairing and building uh, durable medical equipment. And one of the things that I was building was the custom wheelchairs and the seating that goes around them, because some of these people actually have to have it built to where that it supports them like an external skeleton to keep them in uh, the proper positions. Learning how to transfer that person from one seat to the other seat is intense. You had better ask a lot of questions. But at the same time, is not the pilots, is not the... Um, flight attendants, has not anybody else on that staff done any kind of training for emergency getting people out? And they would have to have something like the fireman's carry to, to learn, some of the other stuff that they would do. And so this goes beyond uh, a whole lot of things done wrong. This goes beyond a personal failure to apply what they knew and how to do it. So not only did they not get the wheelchair, they didn't use the knowledge that they had for emergency uh, evacuating the plane. Well, you know, that's a great point, Jim. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, Because think about Sully for a second. Put this this guy on that plane, and they land in the Hudson. What are you going to do to say, well, gee, I guess you're going to just have to swim for it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Good luck. Wow. Wow. All right, we have to get to a break. Uh, I know a lot of comments are coming, and we'll get to your comments and calls next here on KMBZ. Phone number 913-586-7798. If you missed the beginning of this story, uh, Air Canada is getting some bad publicity 
and that's not the worst of their problems, I suspect. After there was a passenger on that flight uh, who needed a wheelchair, I mean, could not move without the use of a wheelchair, and had to physically, and his wife, had to physically pull him off a flight. Because they said it would take too long to get the wheelchair and they needed to get the flight cleaned and turned so that they could get back in the air on time. So they just didn't have time to help him the way that they had set up for them to help him in the first place. James in Kansas City is next. Hey, James. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing all right. What do you think? Well, I got I got a random thought here, and uh, I just want to start us off by saying this is just a random thought. I don't I don't fly. I never fly. I have very little experience in that in that department there. So I'm, I'm interested in what Jamie's got to say after this. But I feel like from what I've heard the last few years, I hear a lot of stories on the radio. I mean, hear a lot of stuff about things happening on airplanes, unruly passengers, a lot of crap always happening. I feel like the flight attendants have this attitude about them where it's like what we say goes. You have to listen to us or else you get in some sort of trouble. And I feel like the people, the, the guy in the wheelchair, I feel like he was probably intimidated and felt fearful because it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you leave? He, if they're telling you you have to get off, I would say I can't do it. You know, you're going to have to drag me off. You're going to have to get a wheelchair. Yeah. And uh, he was probably feeling some fear and intimidation. But like I said, I have no experience, but it's just what I've heard the last few years. It seems like flight attendants, a lot of the time, they just uh, they have an attitude about them, and it causes more problems instead of helping the situation. Are you sure you've never flown Delta? Just out of curiosity. No, I'm just kidding you, James. Hey, thanks thanks a lot for the call. Yeah, Jamie, what about it? Uh, I think flight attendants are being tested more than they ever have been since the pandemic. Thank you, mask mandates. Um, <laughs> because that's where it started. And also, I think passengers are getting worse than they used to be. And the reason that um, flight attendants have a lot more power than you think they do. When you hit purchase on that plane ticket, you agree to this 10 page contract of carriage that nobody reads that basically says, and it's up to the captain of the flight, but he'll generally go along with the flight attendants that say they can remove you for any reason. I mean, it's, it's not a democracy. They can remove you for any reason. You, they just have a lot more power than you think. Yeah. And they also have the ability to call law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I, although I will say this, I'm kind of with him. I mean, there's a piece of me that wishes that that man and his wife had said, no, we contracted with your airline to have a wheelchair ready for me. I need one. You want me out of this seat? Go find one. So is that a matter of we as passengers knowing our rights also? Because there is, didn't they pass that? The, the passenger, the Traveler's Bill of Rights, yes. Thank and you. I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that, that, that that's covered in there, but we do have rights. Yeah, I wonder if, um, yeah, if they had said no, especially because at the very least, they did everything they were supposed to do. And if it, if you feel like that's going to add to the time it takes you to turn around the plane, that's your problem. That's a scheduling problem, yeah, not theirs. You, you kind of figure even if they hadn't, even if they hadn't done their due diligence and didn't know, you know, their first time flying or whatever, and they didn't know you were supposed to set all that up, you figure if he's been in that wheelchair for a long time, he probably knows all the hoops you're supposed to jump through in a million different situations. But even if they had never flown before and got there and they said, well, we don't have a wheelchair ready for you, you were supposed to set up set that up beforehand, somebody go get one. Just just go, you know, and then yeah. all of a sudden you have nothing to worry about. You can tell him that way he knows for next time, oh, I was supposed to set this up before. But that doesn't change the fact that you don't make a guy who can't walk crawl off a plane. How many zeros do you think are going on this lawsuit? Oh, 
Uh, well, they're Canadians, so uh, maybe they're a little more polite about this stuff than we are. But I, I, I mean, it would not surprise me for pain and suffering and all of the rest of it to see that a million dollar lawsuit or better. I bet. And this will settle out of court because Air Canada doesn't want the bad PR. Mm-hmm. Air Canada doesn't want more bad PR. Especially when they, they acknowledge that it was a, what did they say, a serious lapse in service or a serious breach in service. Whatever mm-hmm. it was, they acknowledged wrongdoing here already. Absolutely. All right. If you have more thoughts on this one, 913-586-7798. We get back to the conversation of pickleball noise coming up and what Leewood is going to start doing differently about it. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, topic of pickleball is back. The topic of the noise with pickleball is back. And the Leewood Planning Commission has been trying to figure out, because it's not waning in popularity, what do we do about it? What rules can we put? What regulations can we can we change hours? What can we do about this in order to ease some of the complaints? And we're kind of talking about a couple of different things. <laughs> this feels a little bit first world to me, um, like because they talk about the private courts in their backyard. Uh, the people want to build. Wait a minute. First world problems in Leewood? Yeah. Well, that's weird. Yes. <laughs> um, so there are new requirements for residents that want to build private courts in their backyard, mm-hmm. which is never a problem I've had. Uh, but there are also new rules then for businesses that want to build new courts. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things is, and I, th- I thought this was fascinating, I don't know what you're supposed to do about it if you get notified, but notification is a big deal in this. They said the amendment approved last week requires residents to notify any neighbors by mail within 200 feet that they want to build a, quote, sports court. Uh, <laughs> it also requires the court to be screened from neighbor neighbors by evergreen landscaping. So you can't use trees where the leaves fall off. If you're playing pickleball in the winter, you're going to get noisy again. And then, and this is, again, for residents building their courts. Uh, midpoint of the court must also now be closer to the owner's house than to any neighbor's houses. So no building out in the backyard so that your neighbors have to deal with the noise and you don't. To be clear, um, it go it, it's not been approved yet. This is planning commission that did this. Next step is for um, Leewood City Council to approve it. A couple of things that they considered that they've been looking at is with the, um, with the professional, not professional courts, with the businesses that put up the courts, they considered cutting back the lighting hours and again, raising the minimum distance from neighboring property lines. Uh, before last week's change, the residential sports courts already required a special use permit if they had lighting. Lighting doesn't come back on, doesn't do anything about the noise. 
No, but I mean, at least it, it keeps you off of the court late at night. Um, then again, that's though, true. I mean, but if, if you're talking about the middle of summer, if we're talking about like the end of July or beginning of August, it stays light until way late. You wouldn't even need lights until like nine, nine o'clock or nine thirty. I think the part about having to notify neighbors is interesting. Yeah, because what are they supposed to do? Okay, you notified me. Great. Uh, I guess I'll go invest in earplugs. Two hundred feet. Um, how many neighbors do you think we're talking about on either side? Uh, Four? I mean, two on each side, yeah, maybe? Yeah, that's, that's probably, yeah, two houses around, and may, maybe the guy directly across the street from you. <laughs> that feels kind of soft to me, because neighbors five blocks away are going to be able to hear you <laughs> playing pickleball in your backyard, but it's only the direct neighbors that have to care. And we know that because they have complained that far away in the past. So, yeah, I don't know what two, 200 feet is going to do, but they have to have something reasonable, I guess. So, I I know it's um, growing in popularity still. I was surprised to learn that some people are just putting the private courts in their backyards, but some people have the room for that. How bad is this? And and what should cities be doing? I'm surprised they're not just cutting back on the hours, but what should they be doing about the noise? You want to call Dana and find out how close her court is to completion? Because <laughs> you know if they're building courts in the backyard, she's going to have one. <laughs> oh, I thought, you, I thought you meant she was building one. No, I have no idea. I would assume, though. I mean, if, if anybody is, yeah, that's where I would expect it to go. Because the other sports courts that you can build in your backyard in Leewood are also tennis courts? Yeah, right. Not a lot of baseball diamonds in backyards these days. I, but you have the room for a tennis court. Yep. All right, whatever. Um, I'm surprised they're not considering more about having them enclosed or putting more, even if you don't have a roof on it, making it more, putting the barrier around it to be more than just bushes. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of bushes because it, it will help cut down the noise, uh, and it's a natural way to do it. You don't have to worry about you know, building another contrivance. I just don't know how effective it's going to be. That popping noise is going to get through a lot. Uh, somebody just asked about, has anybody thought about changing the ball? Make it out of something that's quieter. We have talked about that before, mm -hmm. and the pickleball people are dead set against any changes to the ball because apparently it would change the gameplay, too. I've never played to know what the, but Nor yes, I. I mean, yeah. think about if you change a tennis ball. I mean, if you change a baseball, it's going to change the way that sport is played. We just don't have them that are this noisy. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. if you look at it and how serious this can get, if you look at the major league level, um, I know a baseball in a baseball game, like in a, in a major league baseball game, I think the average life of a baseball in major league play is three pitches. That's it. And then they're done wow. and you get a new ball. And it's no less in the NFL. I mean, they change the balls all the time. It's four or five plays maybe that you'll see the same ball. And even at that, you know, sometimes it's one, depending on what happens. Um. Okay. Okay. Could that make a difference then with the noise if you're switching out the ball more often? Yeah, just to show how, well, maybe, but it just goes to show how even small changes to a regulation ball can change the gameplay enough that the, the sports won't let them stay in for very long. So, uh, yeah, I think if you talk about making any kind of changes at all, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get resistance, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be done. Somebody just um, made the comparison to pools. If you're putting a pool in your backyard, that kids can be loud in private pools. Also, yep. I think it's a good analogy. Um, maybe kids aren't as loud as your pickleball, but.
but it's the yeah you're right it's the same idea and i have no idea what the requirements are it's also constant (laughs) you have kids out in the pool on a summer's day and that noise just does not stop yes so we'll wait and see if the uh, leewood city council decides to make this a permanent thing Okay, uh, moving on here to this list of the creepiest places in all 50 states. Oh, yeah. When I thought about this this morning, I thought, what is, and I didn't look at the list when I thought about it, when I knew we were going to talk about it. It turns out mine is on this list. Yours in terms of, oh, you're the, the creepiest like place, the creepiest I've ever place been you've been is on oh, this list. Cool. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, because I've been to a couple of these, and, and I will admit, uh, the ones that I've been to, I was kind of disappointed in them. I, I mean, I'm sure there are creepier places than what I saw inside them, and we'll get to some of what that is in a minute. Um, but I sent this to my wife this morning when I saw it because I know that she has been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, and that's on this list. Florida's entry into this. It's the creepiest place in every one of the 50 states. And the one they picked out for Florida, I've never been to St. Augustine, but she's been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, and she sent back a two-word response can confirm so apparently it really is that creepy i have been to saint augustine it's one it's the city in florida i like the most yeah have you have you done the lighthouse tour i've not done the lighthouse tour but i love saint augustine it's the only city in florida i'd love to go back to yeah oldest city in america i think Uh uh-huh yeah it's just beautiful it's just super cool to go uh 913-586-7798 and tell us what made it creepy what is what gave you the the willies about it? Let me go through a couple of the ones that kind of stood out to me because even if I hadn't been, I knew of them. The Bonaventure Cemetery in Savannah, Georgia. That's the one that's on the cover of the book and the movie poster for Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's okay. that's where a good deal of the action takes place is in the Bonaventure Cemetery, and it's just it's one of those places where. This, I mean, they talk about a couple of the stories of people who were buried there in this article, uh, kids mostly. And, and anytime you have that, that's going to seem a little creepy. But even that statue that's on the movie poster, um, it, it, there's something about those old marble statues, especially when it's a statue of a kid mm-hmm. that just, I mean, you see it during the day and you might think, oh, you know, what a, what a wonderful heartfelt memorial that is. But you see that at night. And that thing is going to look like a demon to you. I mean, there's just no way around it. So I can see that one. I've never been, but I'd love to go. The one that they have for Missouri is in St. Louis. It's just south of downtown St. Louis in the Soulard area. It's called the Lemp Mansion. And the Lemp family were brewers, if I remember correctly. Uh, They were also extremely wealthy. And there are so many ghost stories about that place, about a a mentally handicapped child that they had at one point that this was at the time a hundred years ago when you did not let anybody know that. So this kid was apparently locked in one of the upper rooms for their entire life. And people, even after that child died, reported seeing a face in the windows, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I went to the Lemp mansion about 10 years ago for a Halloween party. It was a great party. The place mm-hmm. did not seem eerie or creepy to me at all. It was just an old Victorian-style house, you know? Huh. They have a certain creep factor to them anyway, but it just seemed like a really nice house. It, it didn't strike me as, ooh, I get an odd feeling here. We even did the ghost tour there, and no, it was fine. Um, Yeah, 
and some of you were texting in. Um, somebody said the Sally House that's, in that, Atchison. That's the one. That, in fact, that's what they picked for Kansas was the Sally House. I'm glad you texted in about that because I was going to ask about it. I had never heard of this place until I read this article this morning. I hadn't either. And if you want to call in and tell us more about it, 913-586-7798. And if you Feel have, free. yeah, and, and if you have a place that you've been to in the past that you've traveled to or just happened to utilize as like a roadside attraction you were going by and thought, boy, that, that seems kind of odd. Let's go check that out and found yourself in someplace really creepy. Um, I'll tell you another one that, uh, that was, it was uh, in Lexington, I think, Kentucky that we had gone to, no, it was Louisville, I'm sorry, Louisville, Kentucky. There was a place there called the Phoenix Hill Tavern, and we went to go see a concert there many, many years ago. Directly across the street is a cemetery, and we okay. went and kind of wandered over there after the concert, just kind of you know out looking around. The, the newest headstone that we saw there was 1864. That was the oh, newest wow. one. All of the other ones were older wow. than that. And and there's just something about that. Kind of a, you know, it was the rickety fence on the outside of it and the old headstones. And it just had this feeling about it. Like, you don't turn your back because you don't know what's going to go on back there. So before I looked at this list, um, the one that I had been to is the one in Colorado, which is the Stanley House. Oh, that's the one that they made. That was the basis for The Shining. Correct. And it's... Um, which I've never seen, oh, but it should. has that air to it. <laughs> yeah. it. It just is this very um, stark. It, it, it definitely has that feel. And then I was looking through the list and realized I have been to Mackinac Island, which is the one for Michigan. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they think is creepy about that. It's a cool place to go. Yeah. Uh, they say the spooky spots include the Grand Hotel, which is beautiful, but not not spooky to me. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I feel kind of the same way about the Lent Mansion. Um, but yeah, there are all kinds of ghost stories and things that go along with with Mackinac Island. Um, let's see, another a couple that stuck out to me: the Lizzie Borden House in uh, was Fall River, Massachusetts, which is right near Tiverton, Rhode Island. That place just because of what happened there. I mean, it's a little bed and breakfast and it still has a lot of the original furniture in there. Obviously not the couch where Lizzie Borden's father met his end, but a lot of that stuff is still there. And it's, it's more about the reputation of the double murder that happened there. It would be like if the clutter house was still standing in Kansas where the, um, in cold blood murders happened, something like that. Um, a lot of those places, as we've talked about, have mysteriously burned down over the years. So not all of them survived. But um, you know, the other one I hear a lot about is the the old Missouri State Penitentiary, where they do the ghost tours now. Yes. Yep. I, I still have not gone. I would love to go. But that's one. And they also mentioned the very first one on the list is a bar in Skagway, Alaska, that Jen and I happened to go when we, we took our Alaska cruise we went in there, had no idea that it had any kind of ghostly history to it or anything else like that. We just went in and got a beer. Um, and it, it's a really nice place. I will say, I mean, most of those little cruise ship towns in Alaska are a little mm -hmm. odd. Yeah. So you kind of have that feeling anyway, but I don't remember that. It's called the Red Onion Saloon, and I don't remember that one being any more or less creepy than any of the other ones we went to. There are a couple more on here I've been to. Um, that I would not consider to be creepy. A lot of lighthouses on this list. And prisons. Including, yeah, and prisons. Um, the Hasita Head Lighthouse in Oregon. 
I have been to. It's cool. I wouldn't consider it to be um, to be creepy, but it's it's neat. Uh, I've been to Biltmore Estate in North Carolina, which they consider to be one of the area's most haunted spots. In fact, okay. I was just there last year. Um, oh, Antietam Battlefield is also on there, and that I've walked around there. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it, that was just more of a of a historical point of interest than it was anything that was ghostly. Have you ever been to Roswell, New Mexico? Uh, no, I have not. I haven't either. I'm curious about it. I'm I'm not into some of the stuff that it's known for. It's definitely <laughs> on this list, but it's so well known for you know the UFO museum and the UFO tours that I kind of want to check it out. Yeah, see. there's there's a place in uh, in the neighboring state in Arizona, uh, Gila Bend, Arizona. That's a little kind of a it's a UFO restaurant. It's a UFO themed restaurant. And okay. I, I don't know why Gila Bend, instead of being, it's a, it's a place you would expect to go in Roswell. But again, you know, the, those places are, okay, it's cute. That's, I, I get it. I see what you're doing, making the whole, you know, connection with the UFO culture thing. But when you get to some place and you just, the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you get that, eesh, I just don't like it here. There's something mm-hmm. wrong. I can feel something about this place. Um, curiously, the one in New York, is a place called the Rolling Hills Asylum, which is in the town of Bethany, New York, which is upstate. Um, that's another one that going into some of these places that just because you know the history, um, I've mentioned before, the the what used to be the asylum in St. Louis, which is not terribly far away from Lent Mansion, oddly enough, that was the place where they took the kid in the exorcist case. After they took him out of the house, they took him to an asylum. Uh on, I think it's on the grounds of St. Louis University. And what that building is now is apartments. And think about that. I mean, oh, living, wow. living in an apartment that you know used to be a ward in, in the state asylum. I, yeah, that, that's enough to kind of creep you out just by the nature of it. We have to get to a break, but now I just thought about um, in California, this is not on their list, but Alcatraz. Yes. Holy cow. I have done Alcatraz. I've done a tour during the day and I've done a tour at night. Oh, that's brave. And you can go into the solitary confinement cells at night and you can close the door. I think I lasted five seconds. No, thanks. Yeah. Get me out of there. Uh, while we're yeah, while we're taking our brief time out here. And again, if you have some to add, some places where you've been that just felt wrong to you, 913-586-7798. But while we're taking our brief time out here, look at Ohio. Um, okay. we'll, we'll talk about that when we get back. Okay. All right. We'll be back here in just a few on KMBZ. What's the creepiest place you've ever been? Some interesting ones are coming in on the text line here. We'll get to your calls as yes, well. Absolutely. And a quick correction, by the way, I said the clutter house was gone. Apparently it isn't. It's still there and people live in it. Yeesh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to it and bring in Mike in Topeka. Thanks for the text line for the info on that one. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Um, so one of the ones that was local uh, to our little uh, neck of the woods was um, in Stull, Kansas. There was a church that was, I think it was built in the early 1900s, maybe just earlier than that. Um, but it got struck by lightning and burned down and just sat empty for years and years and years. And it was rumored, uh, rumored to be one of the many gates of hell. And because of that, there was all kinds of seances and, and you know, people would go out there and check it out. And unfortunately, vandals um, destroyed the building, so it's not there anymore. But it's still one of those places that's just, it's, it's creepy. It's kind of sits up on a hill. And so when you drive by it, you know, it just, it feels weird when you go through that little town. Is there anything on the site at all at this point? 
there is still a cemetery there. Um, okay. And there is a spot where you can tell where the church used to be, um, but they have that specific area blocked off because they, they want to keep people away from, you know, getting up there and trying to, you know, access the gates of hell and whatnot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and do you remember, was there a story about, because I've heard about that place and I remember the whole gates yeah. of hell thing. Is there a story behind why it was assumed to be an evil building? Uh, I don't remember the specifics, but it did. It had something to do with the church being struck by lightning. And okay. that was a sign that, you know, this was deemed an unholy place and God wanted it destroyed. Gotcha. All right. Uh, well done. All right. Uh, Mike, yeah, yeah. How, how long a drive is that from here, do you think? Um, it's maybe 30 minutes. Um, it, it's just gotcha. probably five or six miles to the west of Lawrence. Got it. Okay, perfect. Uh, Mike, thank you. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, I can get there by this afternoon. No problem. <laughs> the other one, real quick, people are mentioning is the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, said to be America's most haunted hotel as well. So you can check that out pretty close. Very nice. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting in. Coming up in the next hour, we have a question again about neighbors. This one has to do with their pets. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.